Have you ever just wanted someone to walk alongside you as you do the thing? The thing that makes your heart come alive and leaves our world just a little bit more like Jesus than we found it. I'm a girl wildly passionate about cheering on my friends in the pursuit of making God known through their unique calling. So buckle up because I'll gather up my favorite seasoned and rising leaders in their fields to share inspirational stories, strategic advice, and hard-won wisdom. I'm your host, Rebecca Dotson-George, and welcome to the Do The Thing Movement Podcast. You are listening to episode one of the Do The Thing Movement Podcast. Today on the show is Garrett Hornbuckle, the lead singer of the band All Things New, and he shares just open and honestly about how God has just shown himself to be faithful in the midst of a lot of change in the last several years um, in in the band All Things New, and I'm just so excited for you to listen. And they are putting out music left and right right now, so you have to go check out some of their new music after you give the show a listen. The music in the background is their song, Goodness of God. We will be playing that for our guest intros in the in the background for the month of January. So just as a reminder, feel free to go check out their music after you listen to the show. And I just hope you enjoyed this conversation with Garrett Hornbuckle. All right. I am so thrilled for our listeners, uh, Garrett, to hear your story and just how God is using you. So would you mind just starting us off by telling us your story and sort of the story of all things new? Yeah, so I uh, my name is Garrett Hornbuckle, and I'm originally from the great state of Tennessee. I was born in Nashville, and um, was kind of grew up in a broken home, broken family. My mom uh, divorced when I was about two years old. My father ended up leaving. My mom ended up remarrying when I was about nine, and that brought us down to Florida. And then my the marriage between my stepfather and my mom that ended up. Um, actually failing as well. And so uh, another divorce happened. And so we ended up, my mom and my sisters, we ended up staying in Florida near my grandma. Okay. And so we ended up staying there. And um, it was, man, to be honest, like when I was experiencing that season of life, as probably my stepdad left my freshman year high school, I kind of became an angry little kid, you know, just like one of those like, typical ninth graders that thinks he knows everything that like that I was basically like the teacher's worst nightmare yeah yeah and I just honestly more than anything I was just searching for validation and affirmation and approval um, Mm. from anything besides Christ and so I um, just kind of acted out a lot and then I had a youth pastor actually that came up to me and we started talking and he was like, why don't you join the worship team? And I remember being like, man, what is even like a worship team? Like, (laughs) see, like where I came from, we didn't, we didn't have that. We had a choir and choir and a a song director. Yeah. We had a (laughs) choir and sweet old Miss Helen laying it down. Yeah, that's right. Like that was, that was our worship experience on Sunday. And so I kind of started learning what this contemporary worship movement looked like in ninth grade. Yeah. You know, I kind of felt behind uh, behind the game a little bit, as you would say, maybe like from some of my other friends that like understood who Hillsong was and sure. all of these bands. And for me, I was just learning about it. 
but I started leading worship and um, I realized I went to a Hillsong United conference mm. and I saw Joel Houston leading. And I remember looking at my youth pastor, Pastor Joe, and I looked at him and I was like, man, I want to do that. Mm. Like whatever that guy's doing right now, like I want to be a part of that. And mm. so I started leading worship. And then from that, the Lord really just placed on my heart to do Christian music. And I um, <clears throat> always was a worship leader, but I wasn't really like a uh, singer songwriter. And then I started sure. kind of writing these songs that were more just testimony driven. Yeah. And turns out that was like CCM music. I didn't even know what CCM music was, but I started this band and that's kind of the avenue that we took. Yeah. And so, okay. We, so I'm going to stop you. So CCM, yeah. like if our listeners don't know what that means. Yeah. So, and so, unpack that. Yeah. So I would say in, you know, there is Christian contemporary music and then there's worship music. Right. And I think it's funny how then, you know, there's gospel music. It's funny how sure. we've, we've put these labels and kind of boxes in this subculture of our industry that is just kind of interesting when it's all just, it's all glorifying God, but everyone is having these labels put on it, which is, you know, I think that's a whole nother podcast, which some of my friends (laughs) are doing a great job talking about right now. And I'll have to introduce you to them, but they, you know, I, so we started doing Christian contemporary music and it was kind of more like, um, K Love driven before K Love would play worship music. You know, it's sure. kind of more like you're a uh, Toby Mac and 10th Avenue North and Sync This Real and mm-hmm. uh, that kind of music. And so we were doing that. And then we did that for years. We ended up signing a record deal when we were about 20 years old and we went on tour. And um, honestly, you know, just trying to make this a short answer, I'm not doing a too good job at that. But no, this is great. This is great. <laughs> I, I, um, from there, you know, we did that for about like five years. And then we, uh, about four years ago, the band actually all stepped down and we were playing a show and they said, Hey, like, we're just, we don't really like, we're just not as passionate about this anymore. Like we just want to be home. And they were all engaged at the time. And, Mm. and to be honest, like I wasn't the best leader that I could be. Like I didn't lead the band to the best that to my ability. And, I definitely wanted things to be about me rather than things to be about God. And I lost my identity in it all. Yeah. And so fast forward now, four years later from that moment, I'm back doing music, still signed to the same label. They're still believing in what I'm doing, still able to tour and um, putting out music now and, transitioning back to my roots, which was worship music. Yeah. yeah. So now I'm kind of shifting from that CCM kind of pop rock kind of thing that we were doing for so many years now to just congregational church music, which I just say church music instead of worship music. You know? Yeah. 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 That's so awesome. So when you were in that moment, you know, and your band members stepped down and, you're navigating all of this. Um, Now that you're on the other side of it, how would you encourage someone who maybe is listening and they're having kind of, you know, insert their story, but a similar moment, what wisdom would you give them on the other side? Yeah. I would say that your story is not over. Yeah. 
And if God's placed something on your heart, he's going to use it. And for me, it was music and it was worse. It was leading worship. And I remember the band stepping down and I remember thinking like, it's over. Yeah. Like, I'm never going to lead worship again. I'm never going to travel again. I'm not going to have a song on the radio again. Like none of these things, like just music was done. Like I felt so defeated. Yeah. But I remember hearing a song by Elevation and the bridge of the song says that the resurrected king is resurrecting me. Yeah. And I just took that to heart and really allowed that truth to be sung over my soul in that moment and realized like, you know what? Like God is going to use this and he's resurrecting me. He's resurrecting my story. There is redemption in my story. There is restoration in my story. Yeah. But I just got to stop holding on to things so tightly. Yeah. Yeah. I think the more we hold on to things, the more we lose it. And so I would say to just trust Jesus with every step. Yeah. And not just like this whole 30 year plan, what's your five year, 10 year plan, but it's more like just trust him for the next hour. Right. Like I'm just surrendering today yeah. to you, Lord. <laughs> You're like, I'm trusting. That's like I wake up, I was like, all right, God, like, I'm going to trust you with the next 30 minutes and like then the next 30 minutes and then look back and be like, wow, like look how far we came together, you know? Okay. So I loved the story of reconciliation and, and sort of the song that um, you wrote a few months ago called grace that changes everything. Would you tell us about the song, the process of writing it and what you feel comfortable sharing about, you know, your story and how God um, redeemed that? Yeah. So funny story about that song. Actually, I didn't write the song, which is, yeah, like it's crazy. I've, I've been a songwriter my whole entire life. And I mean, I don't, I can't remember the last time I put out a song that I didn't write. And, but there, my friend, AJ Pruce, he's a songwriter in Nashville, Tennessee, and he plays in the band for Matthew West. And AJ writes a lot with Matthew West. He's uh, written a lot of his songs. He produces a lot of Matthew West's songs as well. And uh, me and him are really great friends. One of my best buddies. And the label's like, hey, Garrett, we want to, you know, we want you to do music again. We want you to put out music. And, you know, we believe that, like, All Things New still has a platform. Yeah. And and uh, people are, like, ready for some music. And I was like, okay, awesome. I was like, what does that look like? And they're like, hey, why don't we get a song that we can get to radio. And I was like, absolutely, let's figure this out. And so my buddy AJ had this song and he played it for me. And I was like, man, it's good. Like, I just, I don't know about it. Like, I'd love to like kind of fix it and write on it and kind of finish the song. The song wasn't finished. Yeah. And I was like, hey, would you do this for me? I was like, AJ, would you mind just showing that song to Matthew and just seeing what he thinks about the song? Mm-hmm. And so he showed it to Matthew and he, and Matthew was like, Hey, it's not a bad song. I don't think, and Matthew's like, I don't think it's there. And Matthew's like, what if we just wrote a whole new song mm-hmm. to Matthew and AJ? And so a- AJ came back days later and he calls me. He's like, Hey man, crazy story. Me and Matthew ended up writing this song called grace that changes everything. And it's basically like your, your life story, Garrett. And I'm like, what do you mean, man? Like, you don't know me like that, right? Yeah. (laughs) And so he played me this song. And right when he started playing it over the phone, I remember I was renting a car in the Nashville airport and he just played it to me 
over the phone, just him and his guitar. And the chorus was just so beautiful. And the words and the lyric of the song, I just resonated so much with. And it was instantly, I'm like, oh, I have to sing that song. Yeah. Like, I have to record that song. I have to sing that song. That's a song that has to be out to the world for people to hear this message and this story. And so really, it's pretty wild, like how much I have connected with that song. And even to a place of me and my biological father's relationship, he left when I was two years old. Mm -hmm. But now our relationship has been completely restored. That's awesome. And it's been restored because of grace. Right. Because what happened is I extended grace to my father, just like Jesus extended grace to me. Yeah. And so for me and for whoever is listening to this podcast, the fact that no matter where anyone is in their story, in their journey, no matter what they're dealing with, their, the past or the regrets or the shame that they may feel, yeah. the truth is, and I totally believe this, that grace can change anything and everything in a moment. Yeah. And I've seen it in my own life. And that's kind of where the song actually comes from. And it's cool. Not a lot of people know the full story of that song and how it, how it was birthed to become this song that has actually done really great. And that's impacting a lot of people. So I'm really grateful for that. So. Yeah. Gosh, that's so awesome. I, I loved hearing that. Thanks for sharing. I didn't, I thought that you wrote it. So that's a really cool backstory. Um, Cool. So this is a major plot twist. Um, Well, not plot twist, subject change. Um, you became a daddy to a precious baby girl named Ella Grace this year, right? Yes. She was born Ella in 2019. Grace, it's, it's Ella Grace's world and me and my wife are just <laughs> living in it. That is so awesome. Um, tell me, tell us what becoming a father has taught you spiritually speaking. Well, you're just always tired. Uh-huh. So there's a, there's a sermon somewhere in that. But yep. honestly, like... Um, you know, someone told me once that when you get married, you realize how selfish you are. Yep. And that when you become a parent, you realize you actually have to do something about it. Oh, wow. That's good. And I think my buddy, Joel Johnson, he's a evangelist and he travels and he's the one who told me that. And, but I just honestly, like, I think there's so much truth in that statement. Yeah. You know, with my wife, like when we were just married, there's moments that I can be selfish. Sure. Like, hey, babe, can you go make me some food? Eh, you know what? Like, I'm kind of tired. I don't really feel like making you food. Right? right. Like, I'm just being honest. I know I'm not the perfect Christian in here. So I'm right. sorry if I'm offending anyone right now. But <laughs> Absolutely I'm just being, not. I'm being real, you know? Yeah. Like, I can, in my marriage, I can be selfish. And sure. Right. But I tend to do that. Sure. And as humans, I think it's our natural humanness to act in a selfish way. Sure. Make sure I'm okay. Make sure I'm taken care of. But when you have a kid. Yeah. And that kid is in their crib and they're crying and they need dad to come get them out of the crib because they literally can't get out of the crib themselves. Right. Or they need to have their diaper changed because they can't do anything about it or they're hungry. Right. And they, they're looking at you as their father and saying like, I need to be fed there. I, I can't be selfish in that moment. Right. 
Because if I'm selfish, then it's my daughter going without food. Right. My daughter going without clothing. My daughter going without hydration or or being comfortable or whatever it may be. Sure. So what I've learned so much is just how selfish I can be. Yeah. And I think we, I look at that in a lot of aspects of life and from a Christian standpoint that when I go to church, it's like, what can I get out of this? Sure. When I write a song, like, how is this going to amplify me or make my platform grow, you know, instead of, so I've just realized, honestly, from a spiritual standpoint, I've realized how selfish I am and also how selfish we can be as Christians in a lot of aspects in our life. Sure. But Christ calls us to be selfless, you know? Yeah. And so really just trying to step into that, that act of being more selfless. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, that's so wise. And so I, my husband and I just got married about six months Congrats. ago. Congrats. That's yeah, amazing. Thank you. That's awesome. And, that's um, so good. It is. Marriage is awesome. And um, I, I so get what you're saying. It, it's almost like a mirror into, you know, um, whether it be insecurity or fears or, um, you know, like you said, being selfish, um, yeah. it, it, marriage shows you a lot of those things. And I can only totally. imagine how <laughs> fatherhood and motherhood could as well. So, um, and I, I, I didn't want to interrupt you earlier, but I grew up in Northeast Tennessee. So we are oh, wow. from the same neck of the woods. I lived on, yeah, I lived in Knoxville for about oh, go, go volunteers. Go balls. That's right. Go balls. I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad hey, somebody's be, saying it. I know. We had a good game last weekend, and I was pumped about that. I'm yes. like, man, we're finally, we got a W under the belt. Because yes. I feel like every every year is supposed to be our year. I know. But it's not. But it's, so. yeah, I know. It's it's disheartening being a volunteer fan. It is, but it it teaches you a lot of perseverance and humility. So a lot of patience. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that's so good. Um, okay, another subject change. You have talked quite a bit on social media about sponsoring with Food for the Hungry, and yeah. I know um, you know there's a couple organizations, Food for the Hungry, Compassion, out there that do you know similar types of work. Yeah, tell us about how you got plugged in with Food for the Hungry, and I know you went to Rwanda this year to see. Is it Elise? Is that yeah. how you say? Yeah. So I actually, I actually got to go to Rwanda about. Uh, a couple months ago and it was such a life-changing experience i bet like i mean it was just i it's hard to even really articulate the emotion and the feeling unless you're there yeah but it was unbelievable and so what i'm actually i get to do a lot now is uh i get to lead worship all over the country and i'm traveling i guest lead at different churches and I get to, I love the local church so much and I love how God is using the local church in so many different places for his glory. And it is so beautiful and so amazing. And there's so many different expressions of it and I love it. And I'm just a champion of the local church. But when I'm not doing those things or touring with music, I actually go out and I speak. And so I'm actually right now out on tour with, we are messengers speaking on behalf of food for the hungry and I'm oh, sharing, awesome. yeah, it's been really great. It's been such a great tour. It's on the power tour and we, uh, the, we are messengers guys got a new single out called power and it's going really well. And so yes. I'm actually, I'm actually opening up 
the next six shows singing and doing music. And then I'll kind of transition from there and I'll share Elisa's story. And then I allow, you know, give people an opportunity to sponsor a kid. And it's been so amazing. Like, you know, I think if anyone listening to this is a Christian or a fan of music, they've probably gone to a show and they've seen like the child packet appeal and they've seen it. And it's like, man, why do we always see this? And it's because it matters right? so much. And not only does it matter so much, but honestly, it's working. Yeah. Like w- when I was in Rwanda, I was able to see a group of single teen moms that came together. And they were sewing and designing clothes by hand mm. to sell them in the market to create an income for them and their kids. Mm. But now because of child sponsorship like get how cool this is because of child sponsorship they've been given brand new sewing machines Mm, and so so now they're able to produce clothing like rapidly yeah and now they're be they're able to sell clothing way uh quicker compared to sewing it by hand so now they're they're small business is actually growing and it's creating opportunity and that opportunity is allowing them to break the mindset of poverty. Wow. And so it has just been radical. And when I was there, I didn't see poverty, but I saw so much hope. Yeah. And I didn't see labels, but I saw so much joy. Yeah. And I saw families and kids in communities believing in themselves because someone was finally believing in them. Yeah. And I, um, I just, I love doing that. It's such a huge heart of mine and also of my wife's as well. And, you know, we just love being an advocate for the least of these, you know, I felt like I was kind of the down and out as a kid, you know, growing up in a single with a single mom, growing up, my mom waited tables. I was kind of the kid that honestly, like was getting, qualified for free and reduced lunch, going to title one schools, going to schools without a lot of resources and things like that. And so I in somewhat relate with some of those situations, even though my situation was nothing. I mean, nothing, 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 nothing in comparison to the situations I saw in Rwanda, but just that we have such a huge heart for it. And I believe as Christians, like we're not only supposed to have a heart for it, but we're called to actually do something about it. That's right. You know, we have to be more than just our good intentions. That's right. So, yeah, thanks for asking. How long had you been sponsoring Elise? Yeah, so really cool story. I actually was sponsoring a kid named Edwin from Guatemala for like three, four years. And then we went to Rwanda. And I didn't have any intentions on sponsoring a kid over there. Yeah. And then we went to visit this family. And none of the kids were sponsored. And so we entered into their hut and their hut was literally the size of my wife and I's bedroom. And there was no roof on the hut. The only place where was there was their roof over was just where the kids slept under. And we mm-hmm. entered into this hut and there was a goat in the corner standing in hay and a manure. And it turns out the family didn't even have enough money to own the goat. So a friend was just letting them borrow the goat so they could get milk. Wow. And then we met this little girl named Elise and she was eight years old. And I looked at Elise and I said, like, what do you love to do? And she looks at me and she's like, I love to go to school, but I can only go to school half the day. Mm. 
And I go, why? She goes, because the other half of the day, I'm taking care of my two-year-old brother while my mother works in the fields. Wow. And I'm just like, what? Like, yeah. I got a 10-month-old baby girl, Ella Grace. There's no way that I'm going to let her just go to school half a day. Right. Like, that's not going to happen. Yeah. And then I look, I'm like, oh, well, well, and I go, well, what else do you love to do? And she's like, I love to fetch water for my family. Literally, like, that's what she said. Wow. And I was like, what? Like, never in my life, like, honestly, I've been like, hey, Garrett, what do you love to do? It's like, oh, man, I love to crack open a cold bottle of water. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's like not even a thing. But for her, it's like, no, she loves to go fill up a plastic jug, walk five miles round trip, and wow. loves to go get water for her family. I'm like, Oh my gosh. So then the mom comes back into the hut and I, I visit with her and I ask her mom how she's doing. Turns out that the mother's husband left two years ago because she, he found work in the city and just never came back. And wow. so Elisa's mom is a single mom. So I resonated so much with that, just growing up with mm. a single mother. And I asked the mom, I said, well, how are you doing? And she said, God is so good. She wow. said, God is so good and God is so faithful. And I'm like, what? Like, yeah. if you would ask me that question and if I was in her shoes, there's no way I would have answered the same way. Right. Wow. And some powerful. days I still don't answer that way. Sure. You know? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And I think she reminded me something that our situations and our circumstances do not dictate the goodness and the faithfulness of our God. That's right. Yeah. And I just knew in that moment that, I needed to do something Yeah, that I didn't need to pray about it. I didn't need to just think about it. I didn't need to text or call my wife, but I was like, you know what? Like God believed in me enough to send his son Christ to die for me while I was a sinner Yeah, in the midst of my sin in the midst of my brokenness. That's how much he believed in me. That's right. And he says to love the least of these, to love your neighbor. And I'm like, okay, like this is what I'm supposed to do. And in that very moment, I was like, I'm sponsoring this family. And so yeah. I sponsored Elise. And what's cool with Food for the Hungry is when you sponsor one kid, you actually impact the entire community through that sponsorship. Mm. So it's community-based and focused, which is unbelievable. So sponsored Elise and like she was so stoked and just so like full of joy. And she asked mm. if she could sing and dance for me and my friends that were with me. And her and her mother start singing and dancing and singing and dancing. And I remember looking at the translator. I'm like, I want to know what they're singing. And she said, they're singing, thank you, Jesus, for him and his family. Oh, that's so awesome. And I was like, whoa. And I, my wife and I just got our first letter from Elise a couple months ago. And the first line, I kid you not, it says, Garrett and Danielle, thank you for loving me. Oh. I'm just like, oh, my goodness. Like, just wrecking me. Yeah. Yeah. I love when God does such specific things like that. You know, you went to Rwanda having no idea that you were going to meet Elise and, and that her story would, you know, remind you of your own testimony and, and that God would do that work. Yeah. So that, that's just so cool. So you just released a new song, right? Yeah. Like a yeah. week or two ago, right? Yeah, just under a week. So last, uh, this past Friday, Awesome. Okay. Tell us all about it. Yeah. So there's a song called goodness of God and it's originally uh, written and recorded by Bethel. Mm. And I remember hearing this song months ago and mm -hmm. I was like, man, this is such a good worship song. The, just the lyric content, the way it's written, the way it is sung 
and just the the emotion i was like and just the pr- i remember listening to it and the presence of god just like like overcame my car and like through the speakers i'm like this is such a beautiful song and i was like yeah. if i have an opportunity to record a worship song i want to record this song and so yeah. actually months later i go to rwanda and that situation where the Lisa's mom came up and said that God is so good and God is so faithful and just reminded me of the goodness of God. And I was like, man, like I have to do this song. And so the label was like, Garrett, we want you to record a worship song since you're going to start stepping back into, you know, getting back to your roots and getting back to what God has called you and leading worship and writing and recording worship music. And I already had some worship music recorded that hasn't been released yet. And they wanted me to do a cover And I was Mm. like, okay, great. And I was like, man, I know the perfect song. I was like, Goodness of God by Bethel. And what's really cool is I'm really grateful that I recorded that song because my buddy Josh Holiday and Tyler here in Orlando, Florida, they were able to really like put their creative input from a production standpoint. And we kind of took Bethel's version. And I mean, it sounds nothing like the the Bethel version, which is really cool. Like it. We were able to be creative with it. And also, Jen Johnson is the one leading the Bethel version, and she just crushes it and does such an yeah. amazing job and such a beautiful vocalist. Um, but what's cool is now there's a male version out there for worship leaders now to be like, hey, you know what? Like a guy can actually sing the song. And so yeah. it's been a really great, uh, just a great song for myself and just for both me and my wife. Like we'll just put the song on and just really just remind ourselves like, we are so grateful for the goodness of God. Yeah. That's so awesome. So what's next for all things new in 2020? Yeah. So 2020, we're going to be releasing music and I am proclaiming this and believing it. And uh, I'm really excited, but I'm going to hopefully in 2020 be putting out a live worship record. Awesome. So that's exciting. Yeah. A live worship record in 2020 is what my goal and so I'm really excited about that. That's awesome. We will we will claim that with you. <laughs> yes, come on. That's exciting. Okay, so last few questions I ask everyone. So they're a little bit rapid fire. Um, who are you reading and listening to these days? Uh, listening to, I love Stephen Furtick. I mean, that guy, I put a podcast of his on and I'm just, I feel like I can take on the world. I'm yeah. just like, he is such a great communicator of the gospel. Uh, yeah. Timothy Keller. I love anything Tim Keller puts out. Mm. And uh, right now I'm reading a book called uh, Kill the Spider or How to Kill the Spider by Carlos uh, Whitaker. Cool. And do you do anything particular to get in sort of that creative space? Yeah, I think for me, like it has to start with an idea. So I have to feel inspired. Like I'm definitely re- like an artist. Like if you know, any, do you do the Enneagram at all? Oh yeah. What's so, your number? So I'm a three wing four. Okay. I'm a so, three wing two. Okay. Yeah. So I'm definitely like really, I uh, want to achieve. I want to do great, but then also soup. I'm artistic and emotional at the same time. And so definitely two sides of my brain. But for me, like I have to be inspired. The, yeah. the, I, like the atmosphere has to feel good. The vibe has to feel good. It's got a, I just have to be inspired. So I, um, I have to be inspired first for me, an idea, whether it's a story, whether it's just uh, something I've read, maybe a book or something in the, in the Bible that is just really stirring my spirit. And then that's kind of where I start. 
Cool. What do you do when you feel stuck? Pray. Honestly, yeah. just like God, just clear my mind. A lot of times I feel stuck and it's, I, I think I feel stuck because of me, not yeah. anyone else. I don't think anyone else is putting that on me. I think it's like, I get scared. Oh, I don't want to release this song or I don't want to write this song because it's not good enough. Or I think sometimes the other people's validation makes me afraid mm. and it allow it. If for like, it sometimes stunts creativity. So yeah. if you're constantly worried about what other people are thinking, you're probably not going to put content out in the world because you're worried about their approval. Yeah. And so sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't want to, I don't know about this or I don't know, like even releasing goodness of God, I was that way. I was like, well, what is everyone going to think? Like, is it going to be good enough? You know? So I think really, yeah. getting, I think getting to a place where it's like, you don't really care. You like you, you know, in your heart, you have to do this. God has put this on your heart. And because of that, it's like, I don't care what anyone thinks. I have to put this out in the world. Yeah. Yeah. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Oh man. You know, two pieces of advice for me. One was you don't have to be the best, just outlast everybody. Yeah. So meaning like not saying don't strive for excellence, right? like strive for excellence. Like that's something biblical. Like that's something, a quality, like you need to strive for excellence. But when, um, just outlast, meaning like have heart, have grit, have yeah. determination and be diligent and just keep plowing. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe you're always going to have to plow and it maybe comes a lot easier to somebody else, but just don't stop. Yeah. And then secondly is, um, somebody told me once I had two, two, uh, it's kind of flip flop of an answer, but one person was like, man, always play like there's 10,000 people in the room. And I'm like, okay, yeah. So we play these shows and there's like 20 people, right? Like yeah. these like backwoods, just like kind of small churches and there'd be 20 people at a youth group and we're giving them the best show. And then I heard somebody say like, man, really know the room and play to the room. Mm. So if there's 20 people in the room, tone it down. Yeah. Strip it back. Be more intimate in a sense of like allowing people to ask questions maybe during the show or set up the songs and explain. Maybe be have, be more story driven rather than like, hey, we're going to give them this crazy performance rather than invite them to be a part of the show. Yeah. That's so awesome. just knowing that's... your audience, I think, is important. Yeah, that's awesome. Any last minute advice that you would give to maybe a listener that you know, Phil's called to step out and, and use their unique gift, you know, for God and, and quote, do the thing as we like yeah. to say, um, any wisdom that you would just spur them on with? I would say you have to do it because you want to do it. Yeah. Like, don't do it because your mom's telling you to do it or your dad or your grandma or your pastor or whatever. Do it because you know that God has placed this on your heart. Yeah. Or you have a dream. And you love to do it and just do it because you love to, yeah. because I'll tell you what, so for so long in our career, I just wanted to get a record deal. Mm. And then I finally got a record deal and then it wasn't enough. And then I wanted to go on a tour. Then I went on tour with the newsboys and it was a huge tour, but it just wasn't enough. And then I was like, mm. well, I got to get a song on the radio. I got a song on the radio. Well, I need the biggest radio station to pick it up. I got mm. that. And then it just never is never, never enough. 
So just be content with doing the thing because you want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And because you just have to create this because you don't care what anyone else thinks. You don't care about the approval of others. You don't care how successful it's going to be. You want to do it because you love it. Right. You love it. God uniquely wired you to do it. Yeah. Like no one else can. And be honest. Be honest with it and, and just do it and put it out in the world and there will be an audience for it. Even if it's a small audience, even if it's just 10 of your friends who love your music, yeah, there, there will be an audience somewhere. That's right. Okay. Tell us how we can keep in touch with you and all things new moving forward. Yeah. So, um, socials are great. I'm always on Instagram. So find me ATN. So all things new ATN music on Instagram and then just type in all things new on Facebook and it'll pop up. Perfect. Awesome. Well, Garrett, thanks so much for being on the show. I just so appreciate you sharing your wisdom and just your story and how you're being obedient to God's call in your life and, and just appreciate you. Hey, thank you so much. I love what you guys are doing. And honestly, it's an honor that you would ask me and an honor that I'm able to speak to your listeners. And I love what you're doing. And so keep doing it. All right. Thanks so much, Garrett. All right, bye. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you need anything from me at all, I'm super easy to find Rebecca Dotson George on Instagram and Facebook. I'd love to connect with you and hear how the show is encouraging you. And hey, let's help make it possible for even more listeners to be encouraged by hearing stories of my people doing the thing. There's a couple ways you can do that. One, by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And two, screenshot the show and share it on your Instagram stories. Oh, and make sure you tag me there so we can connect as well. All right. I can't wait to talk to you again soon. And thanks so much for listening to the Do The Thing Movement Podcast.